Hi, and welcome to Super Anti-Aging Podcast. This is Steve Halpern. The purpose of this podcast is to bring you the latest scientific health information to help you live a long, healthy life. A long health span. That's what we want, a health span without those aging diseases. Arthritis, knee replacement, hip replacement, cataract, hearing aid, plastic surgery, etc., etc., etc. Including an aged immune system. And that's what we've been seeing in COVID. We've been seeing the result of an age-related condition, which is an immune system that's not operating optimally for the situation. And so there's been a huge, huge, huge interest in longevity science, anti-aging scientists. Millions and millions and millions of dollars being invested by companies all around the world. I, I, I redid this podcast because I've got some feedback that uh, those other podcasts that I've done, uh, a couple of recent ones, were too slow, like a college lecture. And none of us want to, unless you want to play those other podcasts to help put you to sleep, but maybe you'll have uh, sleep memory. Maybe you'll go into your subconscious, you know, those sleep tapes that you play, sleep YouTubes. It's not tapes anymore, it's YouTubes. Designed to help you go to sleep. Anyway, let me get into the real nitty-gritty details. Some interesting news about a pig heart. Well, they did genetic manipulation of a pig's heart and transplanted it into a human. And it seemed to work because it was the last ditch effort and getting getting organs for transplants is quite difficult people are on long waiting lists and they have grown interesting enough they have grown uh, organs and petri dishes and test tubes and certainly that might be the future uh, take a sample of your uh, cells and grow it and put it back in and there'll be no reject rejection issues speaking of rejection issues uh, rapamycin rapamycin was a drug developed originally for antifungal amazing antifungal but what they found is as an antifungal agent what it also did was suppress parts of autoimmunity where the body attacks itself so it's being used in transplant patients to help with the rejection factor. Well, if you take too many, too much rapamycin, you know, you go around and people will reject you. You don't really want that, especially if you're applying for a new job. You don't want to get rejected. But rapamycin is really hot now as an anti-aging compound. In fact, uh, there's some uh, groups now that have gotten together and, you know, self-funded some clinical trial to look at rapamycin and aging. Again, 
the big problem again the big problem 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 is how do you measure aging and so there have been attempts now to do things like an age clock where they measure on and off genes it's called methylation to see if um, and then correlate it with all sorts of algorithms to get your age in fact there's even one that supposedly predict uh, when you're going to die well it's not a thrilling one i don't think i want to do that test i mean but you really want to know when okay you don't want to be surprised you know not great to think about it um i remember there was a movie i don't know how successful it was it was a comedy you know a thousand ways to die uh, anyway let's get back to living how long can humans live? Well, there are scientists who think there's no limit. After all, there are animals that, you know, in equivalent uh, human years live hundreds of years, hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of years. Now, Bob does a little cell animals and squeegee animals and, you know, maybe the mole rat. I don't think he does 100 years. But certainly, how is it that these animals can live long lives? And most of it healthy. Now, sometimes it's correlated to size, and there's been some theories that, uh, especially in canines, that bigger animals will age faster and not live as long. Well, how about the elephant? They live nice long lives. How about certain whales that can live the equivalent of 150 or 200 years? Mm, a little shaky hypothesis that it's uh, body size. It really seems to be, and uh, a lot of scientists believe this, that we were programmed. It, it would make, on a big picture, sense, you know, that uh, people procreated in early life and had children and did the, what they were supposed to do. And then when they finished with procreation and uh, raising their prodigy to a certain age, they're not really useful anymore and they're just a burden on the whole uh, cultural society, you know, taking on resources, programmed aging. So like a computer program, can we change it? Can we rewrite it? And there are people who are looking at that through things like uh, CRISPR technology. Not, you know, not, not, not crisps like you eat, but, but CRISPR technology. And basically, it rewrites the genes. And there have been some biohackers who have experimented with that, but trying to find which genes to rewrite, that's the key so many genes in our body and and remember we not only have our our body you know a normal what people suspect is our cellular genes but our macrobiome those zillions and zillions of cells they also have genes so even though you can go online and you can get 23andme and get all these dna tests you know, measure your genome, we still don't know enough what it all means. It's still in its infancy. I mean, yes, certainly having a BRCA gene, you know, it might be making more prone to 
breast cancer makes sense and you know, having a uh, you know, uh, fetal DNA makes sense. You know, looking at certain genes that might predispose to certain conditions makes perfect sense. Even, and this is a something that everyone should get done at least once, and that's a folic acid gene. In order for folic acid to be activated, it needs to become methyl MTHFR. How do you like that? You can put that on a, you can put that on the license of your car. MTFR. People go like, "Wow, what's that?" Well, that's active folate because you need to convert the folic acid into the active folate, which won't happen if you just eat the greens. Okay, because if you don't have the enzyme to make it happen, it ain't happening. Okay. Can buy methyl tetrahydrofolate and bypass that, but out of curiosity, you might want because there are also variations of the gene, so it might not be picking up all the MTFR variations. So I often suggest why not just do the methyl tetrahydrofolate? Why not do the, the active gene? Also, genes for the B vitamins, and some people don't convert thiamine into the active form, and uh, vitamin B1, B2 into the active form, and B6 into the active form. So often, I suggest they take a supplement, a B vitamin supplement that's already activated. Because often, when critics of supplementation will say, "Well, it just you take it in and it goes into the toilet." and it has those bright colors. Maybe you're not utilizing it. Maybe it's not being converted. Or maybe you just don't need that much. You know, we don't need that much of a B vitamin. You know? uh, the whole uh, theory of, you know, with genetic issues or from, you know, mostly a genetic issue or disease like alcoholism, uh, you might want higher B vitamins. So, let's get into what can we do, because everyone wants to know, what can we do? Well, you can affect the epigenetics. You can affect the turning on and the turning off of genes. For instance, there's a gene called P53, and P53 is a tumor suppressor gene. Yes, it suppresses cancer. And that's when you see research on certain nutrients and they seem to be related, at least epidemiologically, epidemiologically, you know, from population studies and test tube studies on suppressing cancer. Whether these are sulforaphane, which I've talked about endlessly in my podcast, which is found in uh, specifically made from broccoli seed. Now, broccoli sprout can do it, but there are other ingredients in the sprout so you don't want. The best form, really, is the broccoli seed, and that comes from the experts at John Hopkins who were studying it for decades. And the activated sulforaphane has to get made with an enzyme comorosinase, which uh, the good patented products have to convert, you know, when you chew a green, you release the morosinase, and if there's some uh, precursor glucoraphanin in it, you will make sulforaphane. Okay, so let's get to this. Uh, why, why, why? Because it 
has an epigenetic effect. It turns on and turns off certain genes. Some we don't even know yet. Okay. And it also has what's called a hormoritic, hormorific. That's a tricky word. Yeah. English is my native language, but when you get into some of these other science words, it gets really kind of, yeah. Hormo, hormorific, which means when the body's exposed to some stressor, like exercise, muscle straining, um, or even certain health conditions, you can actually get stronger. And so the phrase, the famous phrase, what doesn't kill you <clears throat> might make you stronger. It's, it's true. And some of the nutrients, even the broccoli seed and uh, many different nutraceutical compounds and even ingredients in food and plants, because plants have chemicals to keep the insects from eating them, natural pesticides, and when we take this in, they're actually a stressor on the system, and then the system produces good defenses. Not autoimmune defenses, but it produces antioxidants like glutathione, number one antioxidant in the body, number one cellular protective antioxidant. So maybe, maybe the theory is that uh, eating a variety of foods, you might be exposed to something that's not so great. But it might actually make you stronger. But only if your system is strong to start with. So let's give an example of what's going on right now. Why is it that some people seem to do perfectly fine with COVID? Maybe they'd be sick a couple of days, they don't even know they're sick. It's the same stressor. But again, how is the body responding to this stressor, which happens to be a virus? Well, it depends on the rest of your system. What's the condition of your microbiome? Your gut microbiome, your respiratory vent microbiome, your oral microbiome, your nasal microbiome. Are those in great shape to be able to protect you? What's your liver like? Do you have fatty liver? Do you have some damage to your liver you don't even know about so you're not producing enough protective glutathione? There have been cases where glutathione has been given and COVID and people have had really good recoveries. And I've seen that in various people. Some people produce glutathione in great amounts. As people get older, it's been shown they produce less glutathione. Glutathione is made in the liver. And it's transported to different parts of the body. You can absorb certain amount of glutathione orally. You can really get it into the cells with liposomal glutathione. Make sure that liposomal glutathione is high quality phosphatidylcholine, PS. I've tried and I've recommended a lot of the liposomal uh, drops and they really don't taste bad. They taste really bad and they kind of smell 
So epigenetics, so important. It's going to be a revolution when it becomes mainstream. So what can we do now? Every day you're changing, no matter what you perceive in the mirror. Okay, we're aging from the time we're born. So there's always a balance in the system between growth and repair. Or what we would say is, you know, slow down system. Anabolic, cannabis, building up, breaking down, building up, breaking down. On all levels of the body. What happens as we get older, we're getting more... Now this is not what you might think. The, the normal you know, supposition might be that, oh, oh, as we get older, we're getting less repair. That's true. We're getting more damage, cumulative year damage, and less repair. So you want to make sure repair is going on but also, you don't want excessive growth. And that's been the story of rapamycin. Rapamycin has been shown to affect a, a signaling molecule on the cell called mTOR, main target of rapamycin. And what it does, not totally, by lowering mTOR, it seems to lower growth. Not totally. Well, when you get older, you don't want all sorts of growth. You don't want growth <laughs> in your prostate and, you know, for women in their breasts and in your colon. You don't want that. But you're not going to turn it completely off. And so there is, again, as I said before in the podcast, there's some... Um, clinical trial, rapamycin clinical trial to look at that. There are other factors that can affect mTOR. Like I uh, mentioned before, the broccoli seed, uh, berberine, and probably, most likely, lots of phytonutrients that we really have not studied. So I personally like to take uh, um, in addition to eating greens and salads, I'll take something, a product that has lots and lots of different phytonutrients, which we should be getting if we were out gathering, but we're not. We're not gatherers, particularly. We're, you know, we're supermarket hunters right now. I go to the supermarket and hunt, make sure before everything disappears, because we've been told the shelves might be empty, and of course, what happens uh, with fear oh my gosh, you're not going to be enough food. Well, that might be really good for a little while. You're not going to starve to death. In fact, uh, you know, the latest anti-aging theory besides intermittent fasting is that you uh, maybe eat once a day. And then I pose this question to uh, my good friend and uh, brilliant doctor, Dr. Pauline Bliss. And I asked Pauline, I said, well, how about just once a day that's being recommended, you know, as opposed to 
modify fasting, um, which it really is kind of fasting. It's, it's, it's sort of like intermittent fasting because you're fasting between your meals and you're only eating once a day. And she said she's seen patients who have actually um, gained weight. And then I countered with obesity. There are some people who are obese who don't have health issues. Not everyone. It's not automatic. And then we go back to the obesity question, and there's been some really uh, fascinating research about uh, the microbiome and the transferring of uh, probiotics through a fecal transplant from fat mice, skinny mouse, skinny mouse, fat mouse. Yeah. And in fact, the fat mouse didn't go to uh, Weight Watchers, so there's a problem. But what wound up happening was... The skinny mouse got fat, and the okay, the skinny mouse got fat, and the fat mouse got skinny. So your microbiome might have to do with how you respond to fasting. We don't know yet. As the really, in my opinion, brilliant scientists and brilliant nutritionists, or nutrition scientists say and admit there's so much we don't know and that's wonderful but we all kind of get nervous about the not knowing so we do the best we know right now okay with our current knowledge base and really try and avoid without doing your homework or talking to a health expert like myself or Dr. Liss or lots of the practitioners I know to try and sort out the fads is it a fad does it have a real reality base to it scientific reality base to it and going back in the history there was a time there were yeast books everyone was going on the yeast diet everyone had candida yeast usually you saw candida yeast when someone was on antibiotics for a long time especially age patients you saw a lot of candida yeast but the idea was all your health conditions are related to Candida, I work with a doctor, and I said, I can't understand. Every patient that comes in has candida. Oh, yes, yes, we'll just put them in candida. And uh, there are lots of books and lots of diets. Candida diet. Now, I have the gluten issue. Everybody's, I'm sure that people have a gluten problem, who have gluten enteropathy, who have, you know, the disease, and uh, they do better. Now, if someone goes in a gluten-free diet, is it placebo? We don't know. It's hard to separate unless you're double-blinded and they don't know. And that's probably why double-blinds are good because the person doesn't know, so you sort of eliminate some of the bias with the um, placebo. So avoiding these fads. What are we into now? Well... Uh, everyone's keto and I think it depends on the person yes keto diets have been used for seizure disorders and that's very scientific and been uh, studied over and over again and there are a lot of people who make lots of claims about the keto diet they write all sorts of books on it and they give you all this is it a fad And it's easy. See, it's easy to sell a diet or a fad. 
the fat's easy because people will believe what they, you know, okay, yeah, okay, right. I stopped eating that and I feel better now, so this must be it. And now I have social media and I'm going to tell everybody about it. Or it does really work. Okay. It has some basis to it. But the key is, here's the key. The key. Biochemical individuality. Dr. Roger Williams has discovered more vitamins than any other scientist. Very few people know who he was. He was an amazing scientist. Uh, believed that uh, he, he could create alcoholic animals. Just stress the animal and give them sugar. And they'd eventually prefer whatever that substance was, whether it was alcohol or a narcotic or, or just sugar. They prefer the sugar to the food. So you can stress them, feed them sugar, consistently high dose, no healthy nutrients, and you created an addicted animal. But the butt part is the real key to his, you know, the real big uh, picture of his work is biochemical individuality. What works for one person ain't going to work for the other person. So the answer is, before working with someone, listening to your body, and seeing as uh, integrated medicine doctors often talk about function, has function changed? Are I feeling better? Is my head clearer? Is my brain sharp? Am I remembering things that I kept forgetting all the time? You know, is my vision clearer? All those are good functions. Am I getting up? Lots of energy. Do I not have terrible mood swings? Okay. Is my skin clear? Do I heal fast when I get a cut? Starting to look internally to what's going on in your system. We come to the end of this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I love you to share it on your social media. I'd love you to email me or put comments in or email me at uh, Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, Stephen Nutrition at Gmail. Or you can text me. You can email me. We can text. I don't want to just put my text out there because I'll get a million texts of, you know, probably spam text. Probably listen to my podcast and I'll get tons of spam text and fill up my messages. But I'd, I'd be happy to give you information. It's all about information that's usable. So if you're listening night or day, have a great day or have a great night. And please subscribe, please share, and stay healthy and well.